Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. My name is Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning for Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. In today's episode, we're going to talk about your home and the idea of multi-generational living arrangements and how that might impact the value of your home as an asset and also maybe how you may choose to invest in your property or in future properties moving forward. Demographically, among my clients, I see a lot of older clients that you know have the desire to want to stay in their home and you know enjoy the creature comforts of the space they've known for a long time. Um, but it's also a lot of space. Uh, they're also dealing with, you know, you know, wanting to stay near family or stay close to family. But you know, the the local market is getting very expensive for younger families to to buy real estate and kind of start their family on the North Shore. And another factor is we have clients that are, you know, dealing with children moving uh, back home after college, and you know, maybe in their early twenties and thirties that are trying to get out on their own, but when they kind of are balancing paying off student loan debt, dealing with a challenging job environment and saving for their retirement, you know, all these things make it hard to kind of be putting money aside for that starter home or that 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 uh, that first home. So, you know, we've had dialogue and discussion with clients about, you know, maybe how long should kids be staying in the home or how, you know, how do we create space and, you know, ind- independence without uh, being foolish about you know, how we spend money on rent or you know, buying, you know, rushing to buy that home. And over the last year with all the pandemic challenges and you know, kind of people being confined to their homes and really reevaluating space and relationships, I thought it was a good opportunity to have some discussion with you know, an expert in the field of real estate to kind of just talk about what people are seeing and talking about as they think about you know, maybe rethinking their living arrangements and you know, the options around you know, two families and in-laws and creating different spatial arrangements for different groups uh, or downsizing or upsizing to create more space. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So on today's call, I've invited a, a guest who uh, you know I've known for a number of years and uh, is someone I, I see as a, an asset in the real estate world here on the North Shore. Um, you know, for her market knowledge, her attention to detail, and really the client-centric approach. So I've invited Mara Allard today of Keller Williams uh, and Mara Allard and Company, who serves the Massachusetts and New Hampshire uh, areas, uh, to kind of offer some insights on you know the your home as an asset and the idea of kind of multi-generational planning. So Mara, welcome. Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of jump into what we want to talk about today. Well, I'm Mara Allard, and I am a realtor at Keller Williams in Beverly. I have a team called Mara Allard and Company. I've been doing this for seven years, and I'm a longtime resident of the North Shore. I've been here on in Beverly alone just for 28 years, and I was in Marblehead two years before, so I feel I have a really strong handle on the North Shore and um, the market and the area, so I can offer that to both all people. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit beforehand, but really the, the topic of today is, you know, thinking about your home as an asset and also some of the challenges of dealing with multi-generational planning, you know, whether it be uh, aging parents and trying to figure out the best place for them to live or uh, adult age kids that aren't ready to kind of leave the nest. Um, what types of, uh, you know, questions or inquiries are you getting from clients or what, you know, what are you hearing out there as far as the idea of 
you know, shared residences, multifamilies, you know, in-laws, that type of stuff? Great question. And I actually feel it's come up more since COVID than ever before. Although it has been always pressing um, in-law apartments, we're seeing more and more demand for different ways of living. So the inquiries I've been receiving over the last year, um, particularly since after COVID, always has been sort of the elderly um, have reaching a point in life sometimes where they don't have enough money. The house has become too much. Sometimes it's a widow situation, but not always. I have also had couples where the house is just too much and they don't have the income to go to assisted living or independent living, nor do they want to. Um, they don't want to live in a condo. They really want to live with family. And um, I've had a few situations this year where we've had the children decide to sell their home Parents decide to sell their home as well and buy one home, large home that has an in-law or has the ability to make an in-law so that the children can oversee the parent's health or um, most cases it's health or just um, companionship, no longer having that great isolation from a perhaps a single parent living at home, uh, especially during COVID and creating a sense. Yeah. It's hard not being able to see family and obviously that uh, you know, wants to usually wants to draw people together. Sometimes it makes them want to move further apart, but uh, that's different families. That's a different family. So the families <laughs> that are really get along um, and it could eliminate the isolation. It can also be a sense of help um, and assistance and uh, support. But I've also seen, which is different and it's been flipped is retirees. So be COVID hit and the working from home parents who are now on Zoom calls and now are actually teachers and also have, or even just daycare, you know, daycares were shut down um, or very limited for only essential workers. Um, these parents were going up beside themselves. How are they supposed to be on this Zoom call? They're in a management position, conducting everything. And the toddlers are running around screaming. So I had not one, but three sets of people who um, were a retiree age, want to be near their grandchildren, set out, sell their homes <laughs> and buy one big home. These are big homes. They're not, you know, this yeah. isn't going to be your split ranch. This is a big home where they came and they were able to take care of the kids and they want to be near their grandchildren because they can, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's I guess that's a, that's a good kind of clarification because you can have a big home where that has enough rooms for everybody. And then you hear people talk about in-laws and then some people talk about maybe buying a two family can you talk a little bit about what's the difference, you know, the technicalities of a just a big home versus a, an in-law apartment versus, you know, a two family? Yep, absolutely. So a two family is typically um, going to be the same size on each floor. So you're going to probably let's say we have a thousand square feet on the first floor, a thousand square feet on the second floor. Unless you have a two family, which has a third floor option that you can have more space. The challenge being the parents are going to probably go on the first floor and the kids on the second floor and is the space a thousand square feet enough for the family it's going to probably be enough for mom and dad um, but it's not going to probably be enough for a family unless you have a third floor option but if it's just a single person or a couple and the parents are downstairs a two family might be a great option because if um, inevitably if your parents do pass away you could rent that rent that unit and multifamily is a great investment to have. It's a great investment property. So should nobody need the multifamily 10, 20, 30 years down the line and they've moved somewhere else, you keep the multifamily and have great, you know, rental income source. Um, you can condoize a multifamily. Can't con condoize a single family. Uh, so a multifamily offers many different scenarios. My biggest concern is 
who is going to be on the second floor? If it's if your parents are on the first, make sure there's enough space on the second floor for you and your family. If it's if it's more than one or two people. And then an an in law, like what's what makes an in law an in law? It's different by every town. That's oh, my really? first thing that I say. So towns have stipulations on how big an in law can be. Usually small, like seven or eight hundred square feet, which is not a lot of space. Done well, it can be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to build an in-law, I would say, well, we'll talk about that later if it's an asset. But if you're going to look for an in-law, mom and dad probably don't want to feel like they're in a basement. So a lot of times that's the biggest drawback is that you're going into people like, oh, it has a finished basement. But it's a finished basement and the windows are very tiny and there may be only one egress. Of course, you want two egresses out of a house for anyone who's living in a basement in case there's a fire. Um, so mom and dad are going to want light. Um, they're going to want, they're leaving a home, which has felt like a home and they don't want to feel like they're being put in someone's basement split levels. I've seen them done very well, um, where people have made a separate entrance in the back and they can actually come in through the front or the back. And I've seen them put in big windows on the first floor, even picture windows, which add a lot of natural light. A lot of splits have base, um, fireplaces in them, which make them cozy. Um, you can do a nice, efficient kitchen and bath. You usually meet the requirements by the town for square footage. Um, are there certain towns that are more, um, uh, or states that are more in-law friendly or uh, more restrictive that you've seen on the North Shore in the area? Mass is, is going to be restrictive by town. Um, like PBD is very strict. PB actually makes you have your in-law inspected every year and pay a fee okay. to town. Um, but New Hampshire is starting to crack down on the size of in-laws. They haven't in the past, but as they become more and more popular, they're starting to put rules in place as well. But right now they would be the more lenient of the two states, in my opinion. Um, but then you can get variances like the house I sold in Newberry. They had a very large in-law, um, and they had gotten a variance, you know, so it wasn't the legal two family. It was a little bit over the, um, square footage for a legal in-law in the town, but they were able to get a variance with the city. So again, it's approaching the building department, working with zoning and making sure that, you know, you're falling within the requirements that the town or city will let you have. And if your parents move out of the in-law, can you rent that to an, a cousin or like, what's the rules on? Now, like, yeah, else can to my knowledge, you can't r- legally rent it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and then, so, it, you know, assuming, you know, you want to move into an existing structure, you don't want to go through the construction process. What's the market like out there? Are there a lot of options for buying homes with in-laws or? It's very competitive. It's, there's a great need. Popular or people looking for them? People, absolutely. I have, I have people looking for them already. So there's a great need for in-laws. Um, so it is something that if you decide to move forward with it, you will not lose money on. I think this will be a continuing trend as people live longer. Um, I also think COVID actually defined how people wanted to live. You know, family became more important. Um, having mom and dad closer became more important. And I think we'll see actually more demand than ever going forward for generational living. Yeah. And I, you know, just kind of personal experience in talking to clients that the connection and something, some of the, the, the flip side that isolation is challenging. And mm-hmm. I think people are valuing the, uh, the interaction, uh, more than they are their independence and, you know, their space, you know, and this kind of forced that out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that isolation for elderly is not good either. So it's really um, having them close by, having them being able to interact with children or just yourself 
on even a daily basis is good. Right. Yeah. And I think that idea of an in-law or, you know, there is still people still want the option to have their own space. Uh, so it's good to have a door you can close or a space you can can isolate from. The um, <clears throat> When it comes to assets, you know, so we look at the home, you know, as a financial planner, it's something that people have to live in. And for the most part, if it's the house they're going to live in until the very end, we don't really count it as something they can ever spend. Um, you know, it's on their balance sheet, but it's not really an, a, a spendable asset. Um, others look at their home as something they're going to sell and downsize or kind of take some equity out of down the road. So if you're sitting in, in your home and you're thinking, well, you know what, I've got some aging parents or I've got uh, a teenager who's going to be a young adult and I don't necessarily want him having to pay $3,000 a month for rent. So maybe I'll build an in-law, um, you know, as far as kind of spending some money on construction, does it increase the value of your home, decrease? Do you get, you know, what's, what are you seeing people following that path and how are they looking at it as a, a kind of return on investment? I think it absolutely will add value. Now, that being said, it has to be done. You want to permit the work. <laughs> you want to do it right. You want to talk to the building department and the, and the zoning department because you don't want to be, I don't want to come to list your house and then find out that you've done something that's unpermitted, not allowed, won't pass, you know, um, the, whatever the city deems um, an in-law. Or I think they call them accessory apartments is what they call them. Okay. In the towns. And, you know, I think that curb appeal and making sure that it, it, however you do it, it flows and it looks like it belongs with your house, whether you're doing something above your garage, the split level, adding an addition, make it thoughtful and tasteful and follow all the in bright and open. Um, open concept for anybody is, you know, usually the norm of what people like to see when they walk into a smaller space that's going to be under a thousand square feet. But I think it absolutely is going to be something that we're going to see more and more of going forward. There's always been a need. There's more of a need than ever. And I think a lot of people actually turned to doing it this year um, when they were in their home and started to look at building additions or getting, uh, you know, renovating a level like a split level and uh, making it more accessible for a parent or a teenager or a nanny or whatever your situation is you need more space for. And uh, obviously, towns or specific and location, you know, is, is the key for uh, real estate. But if you were kind of looking at a home that was a single family with a legal in-law versus a two family that had, you know, a good setup for the family, would one price higher or what's the market, you know, would, you know, well, I, it's different because they're different markets. Um, the house with the in-law will always price higher than the single family house. So, for example, if you have a ranch, no, let's just use a split, a split entry in West Peabody, which we would put on the market for, let's say, $550. If that was a split with a legal in law, you're looking at putting it on for six and a quarter, $75,000 more. Wow. Okay. <laughs> just for that in law apartment. Wow. Okay. And you can't make a single family a two family, right? That's not something that you'd have to go to the zoning department and petition the reason and your neighbors get to say something. And yeah, I mean, usually there's zoning, it's zoning, and this is zoned to single family, you know, how you get it to be a two family, that would be a question for the zoning department, if it can even be one. Got it. Okay. And, you know, I, obviously there's the financial side of it, um, you know, but you, you, you're dealing with clients all the time and, you know, the emotions around real estate and family. Uh, what other factors or, you know, topics, you know, should be people thinking about if they're, you know, starting to have this dialogue with family or with their financial planner or with a real estate agent that are not just, you know, the nuts and bolts, you know, the, the, the 
the house questions? Well, really how you're going to live together. I mean, you know, even close families have to have boundaries. You're taking two separate families living in two separate homes with their own way of living. And how are you going to live? If it's not a two family, is there defined and you're all living in one house where two, I mean, two families, one house, but it's pretty clear that there's separate entrances, but is, are you going to share meals together? Are, you know, are you going to have quiet hours? <laughs> you know, how are you respectful of each other's living ranges? Mom and dad might go to bed at nine. You might be up to blurring the TV to midnight. Those are all discussions we have as a group, usually of how we want to live. That selects what kind of house we're going to buy. Because I just did one recently where we sold a multifamily in Saugus and we moved into a split in um, Peabody, which was um, set up as an apartment. But this is a family where they want mom to come up and watch the child during the day while they go to work. They want to eat, even though there's a kitchen downstairs, they want to have a meal together, one meal a day. Um, but then mom was very clear and saying, you know what? Like I needed to be quiet after X amount of time. Like, but on the weekend, she said, I'll allow like one night for you guys to have your buddies over and drink and whatever. So they, they really set up the boundaries that I thought was really good. And I think that has to be a conversation. Otherwise I have sold in-laws before where it didn't work out because the boundaries weren't defined or how they wanted to live together wasn't defined. So I think it has to be an open, honest conversation of how do we live under one roof together? Cause we're not the dynamic has changed. We are no longer the teenager and the parent, you know? Right. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the parent that moves there at 70 and then might have a different opinion when they're 80. <laughs> exactly. And so that, those conversations you have to, is, although the financial is the key and you know, how you want it to look aesthetically and all that is a big component of our conversation. I always encourage the families to have that dialogue. I don't have to actually be present, but that dialogue has to happen for them to able to live there, you know, happily. Nice, nice. And I'll, I'll probably have a follow up dialogue with, you know, a contractor and a real estate attorney to get more into the nitty gritty of the contracts. But, you know, for two families that are merging to one, and maybe they're doing an in law, do you find that one person is the owner and the other one is just living there? Or are they co owning? Or is one paying the other one rent? Like, how do they Well, the last one I did, there was one owner, um, but the mother gifted the down payment to the children, the adult children. Um, mm -hmm. So that was her contribution towards the house. So she gave them a significant down payment so that they could purchase the house. And that was her contribution. And um, that's it. I've seen um, parents that move in, take over responsibility for all, all, all utilities. You know what I mean? They'll pay mm -hmm. both places or they'll pay the real estate taxes or something. There's usually some sort of contribution, but one person seems to be owning it. And then the parents are taking on some financial responsibility within the house. Got it. Yeah. And I, like I said, well, I'll probably have a follow-up discussion with the attorney because those are some of the other things we would talk through clients about, you know, the, you know, you have two families and now who gets control if the house gets sold or if there happens to be a divorce or. Yeah. Uh, good question. Change <laughs> and, um, you want to make sure you've asked all the right questions. You know, you figured out how you want to live together and then life happens and. Um, no, valid question. What if the parent, the, the adult children get divorced and what, mom is still living, you know, what, what happens, you know? Right, yeah. So those are valid questions that should attorney should really, you know, have with the client. That's awesome. So if, um, you know, are there any other, you know, before we wrap up, any other thoughts on the market as far as the in-laws or multi-generational living or, you know, things, you know, the next three to five years, things you're kind of focusing on or think you're going to see more about? 
more of the multi-generational living. I think we're also going to see more of people wanting to live differently because of COVID. Um, whether that, in most of that answer, what is coming is being close to family. That's what I keep hearing. Or, you know, it, even if it means selling my house and moving to another state because my family lives there. So because I'm seeing that, I think that the multi-generational living will pick up as well. Because family, the importance of family has become clear to me that, or to everyone that, you know, we're, when we're not allowed to see them on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis or months, we're lonely and we miss that contact. So I think that you'll see more of it. I think two families are also going to pick up with multi-generational. I actually was talking to a client the other day in Danvers who's thinking of selling hers and it's two duplexes side by side, which is a great setup for in-laws too. I mean, you know, you definitely have clear defined space and usually on a duplex you're getting as long as there's a first floor bedroom for mom or dad, you're getting a lot more space than just that standard two family. Um, so I think that you'll see more and I think you're going to see more creative construction with them. And uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see what happens over the next few years with it. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your being uh, on the, on the Calmar and sharing your expertise. Um, if people want to learn more about multifamilies or, uh, about you, um, are there any resources or how, how would, that you have or any, how would you tell people to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, my phone number is the best way, 978-835-8954. My email is my name backwards. It's allardmara at gmail.com. And my website is maraallardrealtor.com. Very nice and streamlined and consistent. <laughs> I like it. Um, and, and do you do any type of newsletters or podcasting or any other resources? I know you've done some Facebook live events and things like yeah. that. Uh, I do a monthly newsletter to all my clients and I also do a blog on my um, website as well. And I do some live events here and there as well. So I'm always uh, open to live events, but I'm also open to talking to people. I always say there's no pressure. I want to educate people. I want to have that start that conversation. The conversation doesn't mean you're buying or selling. It's just, you have an interest in real estate and I love to educate people and I like to learn from them. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Mara and have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. Bye. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, on Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.